All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Bester. In with a shot, he scores! Moments notice. It I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in in Valentine's Day. Wow, we should do a radio show together. (laughs) Right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off-air, let's go. Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, a special holiday edition as we wrap up the year with some of our favorite moments, but first let's get to our co-host David Quadrelli. How are you doing Quads? Merry Christmas to you buddy. Yes, Merry Christmas to you as well Chris. I'm doing very well. You know Christmas is one of my favorite holidays, so it's been a nice little week for me. we got World Juniors on, it's, it's nice, especially given the year we've had, it, it's been a nice little change of pace here. Absolutely, you know what, I had a good year uh, of opening up packs this year not only thanks to the folks at zephyr epic who i heard uh some of the packs that i got for christmas came from but i pulled a beautiful clear-cut brock besser out of one of those uh tim hortons packs as well Ooh, did you really presenting sponsor of the podcast zephyr epic we should say but you pulled a clear-cut besser that's pretty awesome 
Yeah, it's a beautiful looking card. I know the the Tim Hortons cards are going to be a little bit uh, less value than what you would get from Zephyr Epic typically, uh, but it's still a cool looking card, man. Clear cut anything's pretty awesome, and I think it was like the first pack I opened was a Brock Besser card, so that was pretty mm-hmm. exciting on Christmas morning for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Wait, so someone gave you Tim Hortons cards for Christmas and you pulled a Besser out of it? Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. That's really, yeah. really nice. That's good. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I was pretty happy with it. Like, it's and while we're on the topic of Christmas, I'm curious because I got um, a ridiculous amount of them. But how many of your Christmas gifts had a Canucks logo on them? Uh, one. My friend got these really? socks, um, and they were these. They were like you know the reading socks I've sent you pictures of the ones that are like really, really thick and. They're like 40 bucks at Indigo or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's those, but they're the Canucks ones, and they're they're beautiful. I, I was wearing them around today, and I also got this thing called the Comfy for my brother, which is like a Snuggie, but it's like yep. bigger, and it doesn't go to your legs. It's basically just like an oversized hoodie, and then the hood also doubles as a pillow, and it, it's fantastic. But yeah, for Canucks stuff, I definitely have gotten less since it's become like work. Like people, you know people kind of stop associating me as being a fan of the team in my family when it's like when they see that I'm like doing work whenever the Canucks are playing. So I don't know, like I, I used to get a lot more Canucks stuff, but yeah, this year it was just the one and it was from my, my friend Savannah who actually sent a very thoughtful present. She sent a, a anonymous box and she left it at my front door and then it was like follow the clues to figure out who gave this to you. And she sent me like four uh, four different things in the box and they were they were really nice really thoughtful she like handmade everything but yeah that was that was the only canucks thing i got this year wow so yeah my uh <clears throat> my family must not take it serious that i cover the vancouver canucks because i got basically like 20 different things with canucks <laughs> logo on it like i think i got like a canucks blanket canucks hoodie canucks sweatpants canucks uh, socks canucks underwear canucks pajamas like literally just everything so you should um <laughs> You should show up to training camp and decked out in full Canucks gear. I'm sure that'll go over well. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe the sweatpants. Like, I think I could pull this. <laughs> There's some, like, some Under Armour sweatpants with Canucks logo on them. They're gorgeous. So, uh, I was I was super excited to see how much sweatpants I got this year because, obviously, like, they would have came pretty helpful in 2020, but I think you know this as well. I'm a sweatpants supporter through and oh, through yeah. before the pandemic. So, I got some pretty nice pairs. Um, yep. And I think to quote my family members that gave them to me, these are acceptable sweatpants to wear in public, uh, unlike the other ones that I've been wearing, <laughs> apparently. So uh, that's probably good for the <laughs> for my style, I guess. Uh, but the funniest thing, I'll, I'll put my I'll put my nana on blast here a little bit. Um, wow! So you, you've probably yeah, I know, right on the podcast <laughs> coming in <laughs> um, hot. So you know the you know the toque that I wear, right, or like the Canucks yep. like toque that I wear quite often. So that is what my Nana got me for last year's Christmas, so Christmas 2019. And it was awesome. Like, I wear it all the time. You know I still wear it to, like, if it's still pretty cold out, I'll wear that toque. So this year I opened up my first gift from my Nana, and it's the exact same toque that she bought me last year. <laughs> like, Are the exact serious? same Canucks toque. <laughs> yeah, so uh, now I have, like, a brand new fresh one, and then, like, one that's been used for a full year. But uh, just <laughs> it seems like a very Nana gift to get the exact same thing that you got last year, even though it's a good gift. And I've, like, sent her pictures of me wearing the toque all the time just to, like, you let her know, like, hey, that gift you got me last year was was great, you know? Maybe buy some more Canucks stuff in the future. That's good. Yeah. Like, better than some of the other gifts she's given in the past. But, yeah, she bought me the exact same uh, toque oh as last gosh. year. Oh, my gosh. That's fantastic. That's hilarious. Yeah, I... <laughs> I guess, yeah, my, my family, they, they've stopped buying me Canucks-related stuff. And it's not like I've gone out and said, guys, don't buy me any more Canucks-related stuff. They've probably just seen me, like, wearing less, like, team merch. You know what I mean? Like, true, true. I, I still own some stuff, for sure. And, you know, I'll, I'll never turn down a jersey to hang in, uh, hang in either the studio or my room. But, yeah, I, I think the only thing that was purchased that was Canucks-related was the present I got my brother. And you saw it. It was the uh, Flying Skate... Uh, Tyler Mott. I always want to call it the reverse retro, but yes, tell us how that went over because you you held on to that one for a while now. We had that in the studio in the summer. It feels like yeah, like I told we well, I got you to order it for me because you know the site to get it from. You got it in August, and I think it's been sitting here for like three months. And then I just wanted to make sure it would get here because I wasn't sure if it would arrive on time or <laughs> if there would be an issue with it. So I didn't want to really leave that one till the last minute. So we got that really early on. But yeah, he he loves it. He's he's wearing it. Right Right now, he yeah he he really likes it. He's gonna wear it every time the Canucks play. He said, "That's good to hear." Yeah, I got a big Canucks hoodie as well. That uh, 
you know, it, it's nice when they when somebody shops from the big and tall section for me. So it's a beautiful fit. Uh, I'm super stoked on that one too. Uh, and just like lots of lots of Christmas stuff. Like, did you have one gift that you kind of stuck out as as your favorite this year? Oh man, that's a tough one. Honestly, like I got so much, so much nice stuff. Like I just, I was so grateful for everything I got. And I know that's a cliche answer, but it was just like it was, it was like really thoughtful because I think this year was the year where my brother and I like. Sp- like spoiled my mom for the first time like we kind of both of us are adults now we kind of both went all out uh and we got her like a lot of stuff that she really liked so i was more happy with what i gave her than what i got for myself but i mean i i can't complain i i was stoked like i said the comfy was super sick i got brian burke's new book i got uh bob mckenzie's new book and then i'm hoping to get james duffy's new book for my birthday which is in like two months but yeah that's kind of you know i I'm, I'm stoked i just started reading Berkey's book last night and it, it's pretty good it's pretty good so far so i don't know like i'm i'm still uh still still a hockey fan through and through so it's really nice to be able to get hockey related gifts still <laughs> yeah most definitely i i got the um the hundred things canucks fans need to know before they die or something like that by Thomas oh, yeah. Trance. yeah so i got that so i'm excited to read that one it's it's been one that i've wanted to read for a long time obviously uh and you know now that we're friends with Trance, it's gonna be kind of interesting to like almost like know the way that he's talking as he's writing this book you know like that's kind of gonna be an exciting part about reading through it but we uh we did a you know similar thing. Obviously, you got to spoil your mom pretty hard. So I thought it was kind of funny. Like, do you do this on Christmas Eve where everybody gets to open up one gift? So our family tradition, Christmas Eve, we open every present. We don't open anything really? on Christmas Day. You know what? I saw a lot of that on Twitter because I was thinking like, man, yeah. people are posting a ton of gifts on Christmas Eve. So maybe that's a thing that's moving more in that direction, I guess. It gives you more time on Christmas to do stuff with the family, I guess. Well, it's like, yeah, like usually on Christmas Day, we all go out and... Uh, you know, we, we go out for dinner with the family, like the big, the big, whatever we, we go to my grandpa's house usually. Um, but this year we were just like, well, no reason to break the tradition. We all like to sleep in Well, my brother and I like to sleep in. My parents are both early risers, but I, you know, I woke up at like one thirty on Christmas. Why do I want to get up early? You know what I mean? Like we've been doing that ever since I was like 13. I think like we used to open like half of them on Christmas Eve and then leave some for Christmas day. And then when I was 14, that was like the second or 14 or 15. That was like the second year we did that. And yeah, I think I was 14. Maybe I, no, you know what? I was 13. Sorry. I was 13 the second year we did that. And then, uh, I was hoping to get a PS4 that year. And then my mom in the morning of Christmas morning, when I came down at like 11 or whatever it was, was like, Oh, I think you forgot one present. And I was like, Oh, what are you talking about? It's behind the tree. So I grabbed it. I started unwrapping and it was the PS4. And honestly, that was like the, that was like my favorite Christmas moment ever. Cause I was not expecting it. Like I was hoping for it on Christmas Eve, but then it was like, you know, it's, it's kind of like how it is now with the PS5. Like I was fully aware that the PS4s were very difficult to get your hands on. And uh, I was kind of like, okay, whatever, I'll get it for my birthday, hopefully, or I'll save up, I'll use my Christmas money to go buy a, uh, go buy at least half of a PS4, maybe my mom will help me out with the rest or whatever, right? But yeah. that was, that was like, hands down, the best Christmas gift I've ever gotten was the uh, the PS4, that was so unexpected, and I was so pumped for it. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's a good one to, you know, have the big one the next day, that was kind of like ours, it was always like, you finished opening up all your presents and then somebody brought like a hockey stick out from the garage or something and that was like your final big gift that you got or or something like that but this past year like we do the tradition where you open up one gift um on christmas eve and obviously like my younger brother and sister they're pretty excited they're like picking through gifts to make sure they get the best one like the night before uh my mom picked out a pretty good one and i'll get to that in a second but like i i didn't really care as much right i was like whatever president i wanted to open up something small uh just so that we had a better day on christmas for it because you know at, at my age it's more about what the kids open up anyways or what your parents get so i so we all open up one present before everybody gets a pretty decent gift uh, my mom decides to go for the gift that i gave her and this is this happens to be like the big gift that i got for her um, and you know, it's like, it was a, it was an expensive gift. I bought her like an extra large air fryer, like really big, nice one, um, that she was pretty stoked about, you know, cost almost $200. She was super Yeesh. pumped up on it. So we got to like, you know, she cooked, like immediately wanted to put it to use, like frying up some stuff. Um, so she opens up this $200 air fryer and I opened up, 
um, a bottle of lemonade, which I was excited about because it was like really good lemonade. <laughs> but just like to see like the difference between the two gifts that we opened up on Christmas Eve was uh, was pretty funny. But I did appreciate that my little sister got me like three different kinds of this like high quality lemonade. Uh, There's like a cherry one, a mango one, a strawberry one. And they were all delicious. And like you know how much I love lemonade, so like oh, that yeah. was a great gift. Uh, and then I think she had like a similar thing where they forgot about a gift and brought it down like the middle of Christmas Day. Brought me down like eight liters of my favorite lemonade that you know I like to drink a lot. So oh my gosh, uh, all in all, fantastic. yeah, I pulled I pulled about ten plus liters of lemonade on Christmas. So uh, <laughs> that's yeah, fantastic. Don't uh, don't mind if I have to take a bathroom break at some point during this podcast because I'm just hammering it right now. Well, you like to drink a lot of it during Warzone. Also, that tweet you put out about your sister on I think it was Christmas Eve was so <laughs> funny about like you quote tweeted the photo from like the summer or whatever. You're like, couldn't be more proud of my sister. She's a monster on the volleyball court and the basketball court. She's the athlete in the family, and it's a picture of you holding her up when she was younger, and then you go I take it back, just dusted her 15 to 2 on the ping pong table. I was cracking up at that. Tell the story of that. Okay, so this is this is actually something I wanted to get to later, but like it's funny how some some Christmas gifts like they just seem to be like they're normally kind of just like cheap throwaway ones, like something that you're just kind of adding to the stocking or something like that, but they turn out to be like some of the best presents. And that's what this ping pong set came as. Like all it was was like a $20 set that comes with a net that you can kind of like attach to any table. Mm-hmm. So it kind of has like these things that lets it hook onto the each side of the table. It works really good. And like it's being used like right. Like I don't know if you might be able to hear it right now. I think the family's watching a movie at this point. But they were playing ping pong like all day on our kitchen table. Um, so like the ping pong is going down at the house right now. And I, I was kind of just sitting in the in the weeds watching everyone play each other. You know like assessing everyone's skill. And, and I, then they're like oh somebody wanted to play me. And. So I've got this thing about ping pong, like, I don't have one hand that I'm better at than the other one, like, I'm left-handed on every single thing that I do, but for some reason I hold a ping pong racket, I guess, or whatever you call it, like, paddle, paddle, that's the word, so I hold the paddle in my right hand normally, but I also can, like, very seamlessly, like, move it to my left hand, and just, like, swing with my left as well. And, like, my family was going nuts watching me do this because, like, this is how I've always played ping pong. Like, if it's on my left side, I quickly switch the paddle to my left side and hit it. And if it's on my right side, I just – and it makes it really easy for me. I barely have to move. So, like, yeah, I I dusted the whole family pretty hard uh, in ping pong that day. How do you have time to do that? Like, how can you – you, like, toss it to yourself? Kind of like I I don't know it's just like it's something that I've just always done when playing ping pong and a lot of people that like I know there's some people that listen to the show that I have played ping pong against like it is I don't want to be like bragging about it but it's quite the sight to see like I don't know I've just been always yeah and then when people see it for the first time they freak out because it's insane but to me it's just like I know that I can smack it really hard with my left hand only like forehand I guess and like I can do backhand okay but. I just feel better, like, doing both forehands, I guess. And I just been, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun, and I've definitely become, like, the king of the house uh, as an athlete once again. So it's good to see uh, that the ping pong tables brought that back. Wow, you're the Pat Venditti of uh, ping pong. Yeah, I don't know. That sounds like an Italian guy. I don't know anything about this. Movie. No, he's a ambidextrous pitcher. He played for the Jays, Mariners, Oakland A's. I don't know who mm-hmm. else. He kind of, m- middle of the pack. He wasn't a great pitcher, but he pitched with both hands. So he had this custom glove that uh, that he could put on either hand, and then they had to make a rule called the Pat Venditti rule. If there was uh, okay. a switch hitter in the box, he had to like announce which arm he was going to throw with before the batter actually came up because uh, like it, it became like... there. I think there was one at-bat in the minors where... Uh, yeah. Him and this batter were just switching hands. So, like, he would go left-handed, so the batter would go righty. And then the batter would go lefty, so he'd go back to righty. And it was, like, this whole <laughs> this whole thing. So they had to make a rule about it um, that the pitcher has to declare which hand he's going to throw with if he's ambidextrous. So you're the Pat Venditti of ping pong. That's awesome. I would call it the Kevin Inch because we had a baseball coach who uh, blew out his right arm. He was a pitcher, you know, really good pitcher, went to play college baseball and stuff. Ended up blowing out his right arm and then just trained himself to become a lefty. Uh, and then he became like, it, it looked awkward, right? Like it wasn't, it didn't look natural, but he was like good enough to play in like for play for VIU's baseball team, which isn't like a super high level of college baseball. Uh, but he played like as a left-handed pitcher. So he just like trained himself after that. And it looks weird, but like he would get it over the plate. So it was kind of cool. Wow. I couldn't even imagine doing that. Like that would take, oh man, maybe I should have done that after I 
screwed up my arm when I was like 16. <laughs> Maybe I should have done that. Had a future as a left-handed pitcher. Yeah, we'll see. Well, this is normally the point where I got to shut down the baseball talk once we get too deep into it. So uh, we do have some hockey talk to get to. And what we're going to kind of do this episode is talk a little bit about the prospects that the Vancouver Canucks have right now. We'll talk. You can talk a little bit about the goaltending situation in the World Juniors, because honestly, like that's one of the things that people don't really realize about the World Juniors is like you're getting you know, the next crop of NHL goaltenders at this tournament every single year. Yeah. And it's it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll let you dive into that a little bit more. Uh, and then finally, I know I kind of teased it on Twitter that Ray Ferraro was going to be joining this week's episode. We were supposed to record on Christmas Eve, but uh, he just got caught up so busy with some TV filming and stuff like that. So he apologizes that he can't make it. Um, and then we kind of thought that maybe the 28th would work. Uh, but I'll be working at Sportsnet, I think, that day. So we might be able to get him later in the week. He said if there's some time, he wants to come back on the show. Uh, you know, Ray Ferraro's obviously been on the show multiple times before. And it'd be great to talk to him. So he might see him later in this week or potentially on next week's episode. But apologies for people that were excited for him because, uh, you know, it's it was a busy time. And trying to record on Christmas Eve with him was tough. I mean, you and I were supposed to record on Christmas night and things just, you know, Obviously, things got in the way. I, I thought we could get a Christmas episode in, but with family, like with family dinners and stuff, like I know you, you're obviously with your family there. I'm with my family here. It was like I feel bad for people that weren't able to travel back to their families, but lucky for us, we're living with ours. So um, that was a good thing that we were able to spend some time with them. So uh, let's get right into the World Juniors, though. Um, I want to start with Arvid Kosmar. What did you think of his performance today with Sweden as we're recording this on Boxing Day? I mean, man, he's a guy that kind of flew under my radar, and I know a lot of Canucks fans can kind of agree with me there. He wasn't really a guy that you hear a ton about, just in, like, prospect coverage. He doesn't really do a ton that's like, oh, you know how we do the Hoglander all the time is like, oh, watch, Nils Hoglander goes between the legs. Like, Kosmar doesn't really do stuff like that, so he's kind of a guy you've heard less about, but man, he looked really solid today, and I know Jim Benning was happy with it, I know, uh, I think Patrick Johnson was the one that was talking to him, and yeah, like, it, it, it's good to see, man, that, that goal that he scored, it was like a really nice deflection, and man, yep. I can tell you now, because... uh Christmas has passed and it didn't happen, but your present was a, you know, that app cameo where like celebrities talk to you or whatever you can like <laughs> yeah. pay for people. So there's another one. There's a competitive version of it called Mimo or something or Mimu. I don't know what it's called, but I was just looking at it. And, like, Victor Soderstrom, Yanni Yermo, and, like, all these other Finnish players, like, Tony Utenin, he's on it, too. So these players are all <laughs> on it, and they're, like, dirt cheap. So Victor Soderstrom was 15 bucks. So I was like, <laughs> absolutely, I'm going to do this. So I put in, I was like, I was like, oh, please wish uh, Chris Faber a Merry Christmas and uh, thank him for writing nice things about you. And... um <laughs> And then it was like, okay, you'll get a refund if he doesn't respond within seven days. And I ordered this, like, I want to say, like, December 13th. And then I still haven't got a response, and I still haven't got a refund. So maybe I'll have to look into it. But uh, I heard he's pretty busy right now, just like Ray Ferraro. I'm pretty sure he's doing something right now. Yeah, he's a little busy right now just carrying that uh, Swedish team. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty interesting. There was a, something that came out. Mitch Brown does some tracking for EP Rinkside. Uh, and does some CHL tracking as well. And he said that um, out of that game, the most expected primary assist and expected goals came from Arvid Kosmar in that game. And you know what? Like, Kosmar didn't play a ton of time in the second period. I think I think he only had six or seven shifts in the second period because of, like, when they're on the power play, he's not going to get a lot of time. But, yeah. man, I thought he was really impactful at kind of just being in the right spot at the right times, uh, being good in his defensive zone, and also being able to extend plays in the offensive zone. Like, through and through... Like, Cosmore looked really good on that second line, and he's not playing with, you know, the the Holtz and Raymond of the team. He's yeah. playing with, uh, was it Holmstrom? And I'm trying to remember the other name now. Gundler, I think. So that's, like, what his line is coming together. So, yeah, really good performance from Arvid Cosmore in his opening one. And I think scoring the first goal for Sweden was, like, exactly what Canucks fans needed to, like, get on the Cosmore hype train. So I was excited to see that. Uh, and he looked really good at face-offs as well, just just dominated in the dot against his age group because he's really going up against SHL guys. I guess not a ton because he's playing mostly the wing in the SHL right now, but just the fact that he's up against that kind of competition, I thought that he was going to shock a lot of people. And I think in game one, he really did that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was it was a nice change of pace for sure to see Canucks fans have something to be happy about because apparently they hate Vasily Podkolzin. Okay, yeah. I'll. This is what... This is what I'm going to talk about. This is going to be my rant as you go on goaltenders after this. Your manifesto. But, 
Yes. So here's what I have to say about people saying that Vasily Podkolzin isn't, a, you know, that Canucks fans hate Vasily Podkolzin. There's five or six people on Twitter that don't like Vasily Podkolzin. There's five or six idiots on Twitter that don't like Vasily Podkolzin, I should say. Obviously, this guy is going to be an impact player. He's one of the Canucks' top prospects. If you actually watch the games instead of just looking at elite prospects or hockey DB or however you find your stats about this kid, if you watch the games of him playing, you can clearly see that he's an impact player for Russia or SKA or whoever the hell he's playing for. He's a guy who makes an impact in every single game. And if you actually watch him for an extended amount of time, he makes a ton of sense playing alongside a guy like Bo Horvat, which is where a lot of people project that he is going to be. So I this I've talked about this I think in the past, but like there's it's so annoying sometimes on Canucks Twitter seeing the reaction to like one or two or three tweets. <laughs> like just ignore those three tweets and then this doesn't become a story. But when everyone starts freaking out on Twitter and like, oh, apparently Canucks fans hate them now, it's like, no, three people who are constantly stirring the pot. Don't think Vasily Podkolzin is going to be an elite player. Don't let those people be the ones that influence the story and create, you know, the headline that now Canucks fans don't like Vasily Podkolzin. Like, it's ridiculous. And I think that, obviously, the reaction on Twitter is always bigger than the actual story for a lot of these things. You know, so I just I just think it's kind of funny. I laughed at it. I thought that, you know, I think it, the, the thing that I don't really like, though, is like, what if he does see, or what if a prospect or a player sees all this stuff? And, like, nobody's really out there actually, like, defending him, right? Like, nobody's out there being like, Vasily Podkolzin is a great player. Like, these people are idiots. Don't listen to these people. You didn't see a lot of that. You saw a lot of people just reacting to, like, oh, this, a lot of people think Vasily Podkolzin sucks. It's too bad. Like, it's it's just stupid, I think, to see some of these people on Twitter and what they're saying. And it's fine. Like, I get that people like to stir the pot or trigger people or whatever they want to do. But, like... Just watch the games and make your own opinions and, and don't fall into the trap of the, the three or four trolls trying to get you to engage with them because it's not worth your time. Um, and the mute button is always there, so use that. That's all I really have to say about the Pod Colson situation. You could just do what I do and not use Twitter, ever. That's that's kind of how I avoid it all. I just don't well, use Twitter. That's just because you suck at Twitter, Quads. We all know this. <laughs> I choose to suck at Twitter. I wanted to tweet about <laughs> Askarov. But I was like, screw that, I don't even need to, because, yeah. can I talk well, about goalies transition. now? Yeah, the, I, let me set the stage first here. So, I, I'm trying to just watch World Junior Games, and have a good time enjoying <laughs> these Canucks prospects, and what do I have the whole time? Is Dave texting me every five seconds about when Askarov gives up a rebound, or whatever the hell you're talking about with goaltenders. Like, I think you've noticed now that I'm just not replying to these text messages that you're sending me throughout every single game. So I'll just let you talk about goaltenders now, and I'll just turn my mic off for a little bit. But I know you're seeing the messages, thus you're getting smarter about goaltenders, which is all I need to happen. So actually, I, th- you know what? You're going to love this because I got a I got a message from somebody who is just, you know, I was going back and forth with someone, and they were just like, wow, like what you said about Askarov, because people will remember like a week ago when we were talking about him or whatever, like I said, like, you know, when you watch him at the World Juniors, I have no doubt he's going to be great. Just watch his rebounds, watch his stance, and then come back to me and someone was saying like holy cow like I saw what you meant and the thing is like he was really good against Canada in that exhibition game and I really don't think that that game that he played against Finland is really indicative yeah indicative of what he's actually like because you know you've you've definitely watched way more of him in the KHL than I have but man from everything I've seen from him like that performance against Finland had to be one of his worst I I think he just didn't really look settled in and I mean I don't think that's a really fair way to assess him and like you know obviously everything I said that was a weakness of his was on full display there but again like that's like you're you're taking his worst game so you need to watch more of him before you just say oh oh quads was right he sucks like no this guy does not suck all i was saying is i don't think he's gonna have the best nhl career of everybody in his draft which if you look at it isn't even that hot of a take like it's actually kind of rare that the highest goalie taken is the most successful from his draft like we're already seeing early returns on devin levi the canadian goaltender who was taken in the seventh round by the florida panthers and i mean man with spencer knight and and Devin Levi going through that new Florida goaltending department, I think they're going to be set at that position. I really do because, man, Devin Levi has really impressed me so far in the World Juniors. Again, really narrow stance, really quick lateral movement, and holy cow, like, he just looks so calm. And you know who he reminds me of is Joel Blomquist, and he's a guy that isn't playing right now. Uh, I'm hoping to see get more looks at him soon. I think he's going to be 
one of the best goaltenders, if not the best goaltender, uh, when all said and done. I've said that before. But man, like, if you want to know what Blomquist plays like, like, it's really similar to Devin Levi. Like, I'd say Blomquist is just way quicker at getting to his posts and just, you know, more positionally sound, which is probably why he was taken in the second round and Levi was taken in the seventh. But man, like, the early returns on Devin Levi, I don't know if how much of the Germany-Canada game you watched, but man, like, he shuts out the Russians and then he comes and, you know, he lets in one goal that went off Byram's stick. He had no chance of stopping it. Uh, like, he, to me, he's been the best goaltender in this tournament so far and I've, I've been really impressed because he was a guy I, I didn't even have on my radar. Like, I had never even heard of the guy before the tournament, but man, like, he's, he's really, really impressed me. And yeah, that, that's kind of the only thing I want to say about goaltenders is don't crap on Askarov too much. You know, I've said the I've said it before. I'll say it again. His rebound control isn't great. He's a little too busy in the crease. Every save looks like it's way harder than it actually is or needs to be. Uh, so I think that's going to come back to bite him. But again, those are things you can clean up. He has tremendous reflexes, and that's that's noticeable right away. Like you go watch any of the games, even the one against Finland, his reflexes are out of this world. Like some of the best I've ever seen. The problem is, you know, the wide stance when he drops into the butterfly, can't really steer stuff away with his stick. So anytime it hits his pads because of the wide stance, it's likely going right back up the middle, which isn't great. You don't really want to see that in a young goaltending prospect, but man, his reflexes are just out of this world. And I think, you know, I I really do think he has a, a serious chance to clean those things up and be really successful. I just think right now nobody's really telling him he needs to clean it up. So we'll we'll see what happens. But I don't know. I, I don't think that game against Finland is really indicative of what Askarov can really bring to the table. I think that was one of the worst games I've seen him play. So don't crap right. on him too much. And the thing is, like, you've been texting me like Askarov is my boy, right? Like Askarov is my guy. He's my guy. But the thing that you've forgotten is Askarov is a right-handed catching goalie. And you know I hate these goalies. <laughs> I think that they're absolutely ridiculous and clowns. But at the same time, like, no, I'm just kidding. Like, Askarov is a great goalie. I think he's going to be excellent. Yeah. And just to correct you, um, it was against USA because it was the big matchup of Askarov versus Knight uh, in the first game. Oh, jeez, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I just, I, I just like, <laughs> I got to step in here now before you mention it for like the fifth time wrong. <laughs> yes, thank <laughs> like, you. I knew, I knew there was some blue in there. <laughs> yeah, no, you're close. But like at the same time, that was a pretty cool matchup to opening the open the really, you know, the tournament up on that big game, which is find really funny that Russia – plays in like all of the primetime 630 games which would be yeah. I guess 930 in the east coast but like all of Russia's games are 630 so I find that kind of interesting but uh, yeah a good matchup and we're going to see some of the best goaltenders in the NHL play right now the world juniors like we do every single year so we'll continue Man. to follow that one for sure and just you know big games coming up obviously <laughs> um with the teams not really like Sunday and Monday but I think after that like Tuesday's games are going to be interesting um, or not really, like Wednesday is when it really starts, actually. So when, once we get to yeah. Wednesday and see Russia and Sweden, that's going to be an awesome one. Uh, Canada, Finland on New Year's Eve, and also on New Year's Eve, Sweden and USA. So a lot of fun stuff to come as this tournament kind of winds down, but we are going to probably see some more uh, some more 7-1s. I don't know if we'll see more 16-2s. Like, can we just shout out Germany real quick? I know everybody's going to be oh. doing it because like what they're going through is, is really tough, but like, Man, Tim Stutzel, you gotta love the kid. Like what he's doing right now for that team is pretty unreal. Like, obviously, you get you get dumped pretty hard by Canada. You get, I think they put up a pretty good fight for having. It was fourteen players, right? Yeah, fourteen skaters. So fourteen skaters, and you're playing up against Finland, and you only lose by two. Like, you know, props to Germany. They get their players back. I think six players are returning to their lineup, which is huge for them. Tim Stutzel's playing like twenty five minutes a game right now, so. Uh, big shout out to him. Like he, he's getting used to what it's like to be on a crappy team as he's going to be moving to Ottawa here pretty (laughs) soon. Uh, but I feel like moving to Ottawa is just going to be like taking the batting weight off of the bat once he, uh, gets through this 14 man tournament that they've had for a couple games already. So I just want to give them a quick shout out. Is there any other takeaways you've taken, um, from the first two days? Germany got really let down by their goaltenders. I was trying to watch their, their goalies and just like, man, okay, did they have a chance? Man, you cannot oh. misplay the puck that many times. You just can't. And Some holy bad cow. plays against Finland, though. Some really bad bounces in the Finland game. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm talking about the Canada game. I'm talking okay. about when the wheels really fell off. And then, sorry, their backup that comes, or their backup to the backup. This is their third string goaltender because I believe their starter was one of the people who tested positive and was not yeah. able to play. So their poor backup, I, I like him. He look, seems like a nice kid, but holy cow, like the poor guy just, he's getting peppered with shots, but then, 
does not help himself just misplaying the puck. And it's like, you know, we used to joke around, my dad used to joke around that when Luongo would misplay the puck, the Canucks should just like tie a rope to the back of his jersey so that he can't tie a rope to the back of his jersey and to the crossbar so that he can't skate too far out of the net. Because holy cow, like... Askarov, on the other hand, is like so good at playing the puck. But man, I don't like goalies that play the puck a ton that don't really know how to do it. I absolutely love it when goalies who are really good at it do it. But then I always find that the ones who are really good at it always overdo it. So like Mike Smith, it's like, man, just stay in your net. But it's also like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm a little indifferent on this because it's like it, it's a double-edged sword. But I don't know. I, I just think if you're going to play the puck, make sure you're comfortable doing it like Askarov is and just don't overdo it like Mike Smith does. But yeah, these guys, both of them, like even the, the third string goaltender that went in, he, he misplays the puck outside of the net as well. And it's like, man, you're not doing yourself any favors. And then, yeah, like the third guy, his positioning was like really bad. And I don't want to rip on a third string goaltender for Germany going up against Canada too much, but like, it was just like a lot of fundamentals. And last thing, last thing on goaltender, sorry. Askarov does not have the same crease awareness that Mikey DiPietro has, but I made the comparison of the two because they have the similar similar kind of stance. Like he reminds me a lot of DiPietro in his draft year, but DiPietro is like miles better now. Like DiPietro's cleaned up a lot of his game, but they have they have kind of similar stances, I think. But uh, yeah, they're not really that. You can't really make an actual comparison between them. I just saw a little bit of Di Pietro in the way Askarov kind of positions his hands up high. But yeah, I don't know. That's the last thing I want to say about Askarov is he doesn't have great uh, crease awareness, which was something I didn't even realize until I saw him the last two games. Fair. Well, good to know. Uh, I think that it's going to be a fun tournament to follow, not only these goaltenders, but the actual teams in it as well. Um, you know, once we get past this preliminary stage and kind of the, the round robin, I guess is what it's called. Like once we actually get into some finals and semifinals, it's going to be a hell of a tournament because a lot of these teams are going to start to gel by then and we're going to see some really good hockey. So uh, we were both asked uh, on it on the unnamed sports show with Joshua Griffiths. Um, what do you still think that uh, Russia is the team to beat right now in this tournament? Or do you think Canada's taken that spot from them? You know what? I think Canada's taking the spot. And I don't know how you feel about it, but it's just like I've seen way more dominant performance from Canada than I have from Russia thus far through the tournament. I get that Canada was up against a tired Germany team. Say what you will about the win today with 16-1 to 1 or whatever it was. 16-2, sorry. They scored a power play goal at the end. Um, and yes, I watched all of that game, as painful as it was. But yeah, I think Canada's going to be the team to beat. Like, I, I really do. I, I still think that we're going to see a gold medal game between Russia and Canada, and that that point it's anybody's game but uh we'll see because you know you've watched Askarov in the KHL you know that he's very capable of just taking over a game and really settling in it's just he just can't get the wrong kind of shots at him and I mean it's tough because you don't really know what you're gonna get there's not a ton of consistency but man if he like comes out and just plays lights out they could very well win that game yeah totally I think it's gonna be I, I still just I see a lot of these players on Russia I've seen them play at the KHL against men um, in one of the best leagues around the world so I'm excited to see them compete I think that Askarov is going to be a huge piece in what that team really does like it's I don't know it's been an incredible run for Askarov I think so far this year only letting in two goals in one appearance in the nine mm-hmm. games that he's played in like that's ridiculous to me just to see what he's been able to do um most of the games he's letting in zero or one goal only one of the nine like i said he's been letting in two goals a game which is insane so i'm excited to continue to see what this guy does i think he's going to be unreal in this tournament uh but at the same time um i think we'll take a little bit of a break here uh we'll just throw to ads real quick and then we're going to just wrap up the year that was uh for the connects conversation talk about some of our favorite episodes or interviews or just things that happened uh in 2020 so we'll see you guys on the other side after we run a few ads here Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50, and you can use promo code HockeySeason with a capital H and a capital S, all one word, HockeySeason, to get $5 off your order exclusively for Canucks Conversation podcast listeners. Be sure to join them live on Twitch for Epic Case Break openings follow them on twitter and instagram and facebook at zephyr epic z-e-p-h-y-r epic on all platforms oddshark.com is your source for nhl odds futures picks consensus 
and scores. You can find all the latest information, all the latest sports books, and right now on their site, along with all the other wonderful editorial content they have, are the odds to win the 2021 IIHF World Junior Championship, which Chris and I were just talking about. Right now, Canada is the team to beat, with Russia close behind, and the U.S. close behind them, and then there's quite a bit of a gap between Sweden. So if you're looking to make a bet, Chris and I are both going for Russia here. So if you want to put a little money on Russia, you might be able to get some return. So definitely go check out oddshark.com. Winter is here and hockey is just around the corner. And if there's one thing that goes absolutely perfect with hockey, it's Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's been a classic, obviously, around the ring for people who wanted something to mix it up a little bit from their beers. I know it's a go-to sweet drink for me. And now that they have the Mike's Hard Blue Freeze, it is an absolute game changer. Blue Freeze is the go-to drink for me at a Canucks Games or at any gatherings. Once we can get back to those, that would be great. Uh, but for now, go out and try some yourself. The Mike's Hard Blue Freeze is in stores everywhere. You can find it at all liquor stores. So be sure to go out there and try one of the Mike's Hard Blue Freeze. And before we go any further in the episode, just want to give a quick shout out to the returning sponsor of the Canucks Conversation podcast. That's Parallel 49 Beer back on board for another winter season here. Be sure to check out some of their brand new winter beers that have just come out. The one that is on the shelf right now, and I highly recommend trying, even though I haven't tried it yet. It just sounds really cool, is a new jelly donut beer that they have coming out. It is already on shelves in BC and Alberta. Go check it out at your closest BC liquor store for all of your British Columbian out there and i'm gonna go definitely try mine this weekend and i'm gonna get uh, a review on the show about the jelly donut ale uh, which i'm very excited for so be sure to follow them along at parallel 49 beer on all of your social medias and a big thank you to all of our sponsors as we move into the new year with the same group of them as well it's gonna be fun uh, to see what we can do and speaking of we have announced our giveaway now uh, on twitter so congrats to the winner of that from our mike's hard and neutral giveaway so shout out to them for helping uh, spread some cheer and beer through the uh, Christmas time here. So, Dave, let's get to the uh, second part of the episode. Just wanted to kind of just wrap up the year. 2020 has been obviously a, a crazy, strange year for sure, but we've had some pretty high moments uh, and some low ones as well, but I think some pretty high ones throughout the podcast as well. And just, I think, us coming together every single Friday to record episodes, you know, whether it was in studio at the start of the year together or in studio when the pandemic was a little bit less of a worry in the middle of the summer uh, or right now just recording remotely I think Fridays for us has been a nice uh, stress reliever for sure just being able to come out here and put the podcast together hands down the favorite part of my work week for sure and man what a year for us we started in January actually of 2020 at the BCIT studios and look at how much we've grown from getting uh well Getting interviewed by Josh and Max that one time where we have all those photos of us in the BCIT studios now. Some <laughs> hilarious ones, uh, might I add. But yeah, we've, uh, yeah, we've, we've, we've grown a lot. We, we've grown a lot. Yeah. It's, it's been a good year for us, Chris. Yeah, I think it's, you know, some of the events, like obviously training camp for both of us when we kind of switched days there uh, for the second training camp for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, both of us had our Botchford project. No, yours was before 2020. November. Right? Yeah, pro- November 16th, okay, so 2019. Before- Mine was in March, right before the pandemic actually really hit the NHL. Um, And just, yeah, I think looking at a lot of these things, it's been a pretty cool year so far to see the show grow. I mean, we've had some incredible guests, and I I guess we'll start there looking back. Like, what was your favorite conversation that we really had on the show this year? Tony Gallagher, hands down. Uh, So... Well, Sammy Salo is a really close second, but again, like those were two interviews where I drove out to your house to do them. Usually you're the one coming out here, but I drove all the way out to White Rock to do that interview in the morning too. And it was just like, it it was so fun, man. And I don't know, like, you know, I don't like driving uh, westward, but anytime I'm going out east, I'm fine. I love going to White Rock. I like going that way all the time. Like taking the Trans-Canada Highway is my favorite. I love it so much. So it, it was fun. It was fun to get out there and fun to uh, interview Tony G. And we had we had such a fun time. And just like, you know, you're talking to a living legend. You know what I mean? Especially like in our industry, right? Like he's like the GOAT when it comes to Vancouver media members. So it, it was super cool to talk to him. Uh, really, really fun conversation we had with him. And then Sammy Sallow again, you know, that was just such a fun time. Like the, the numbers were low. We were doing promos in your backyard with the goats and it was just fantastic. Yeah, no doubt that. Um, so that episode 87, which was featuring Tony Gallagher and Harmon Dial, it was called past, present and future. And that was our most listened to episode in 2020. 
Um, wow. So that was pretty awesome to put together. And like you mentioned, um, I think you talked about an interview that we just did, but I think that was when you really learned to be better at interviewing as well and kind of loosening up a little bit because uh, Tony just kind of makes it easy on you. Like yeah. you don't have to be all business with Tony, even though that's kind of what you expect going into it, right? And he's been a huge help. Uh, to both of us. He was a huge help to meet with me for my Botchford project day uh, and tell some stories about Jason. 90% that I couldn't tell uh, in the article, but like hearing some of those stories of Tony was awesome and getting him and Harm together for yeah. an episode. Um, hard to not say that that was our, my favorite episode of the year, but I have to agree with you. Like if that wasn't, you know, that combination of Tony Gallagher and Harmon Dial, like it matches up pretty hard with one of my other favorites, which is Sammy Sallow and Rick Dollywall in episode 86. So to think that in back-to-back episodes, yeah. you know, in the in the middle of June, or sorry, J- the end of June and the start of July, we put out an ep- back-to-back episodes that had four guests on two episodes, Sammy Sallow, Rick Dollywall, Tony Gallagher, and Harmon Dial. Like, you, we're just looking back at that, like, we gotta be proud as hell on what we did that week. Like, that was incredible to put out that type of content in June and July about the Vancouver Canucks. Absolutely, and man, like you, you even look at it with like Canucks Army and the work we've done there. Like, I don't like to talk publicly about numbers and everything like that, but you know, our numbers were really good for having two off seasons. Like, we we really knocked it out of the park here when it came to Canucks yeah. Army, and like you know, we we couldn't have done that without everybody else on the team as well. But in large part, like you and I are the ones that write the most for the site. You know what I mean? So it's like. Man, it was it was it was pretty cool seeing everything we did with two off seasons, and now I'm just thinking like, man, we're gonna have like a shortened off season this year, <laughs> and it's like, what yeah. what can we accomplish this year? You know what I mean? I'm just I'm so excited for it, and now you know, just going into it, like, who knows what's gonna happen with the next year? But I'm really excited to find out. Yeah, you and I might be like might be doing the most writing at Canucks Army, but it's. it's- I've been seeing these top 25 articles that they've put out. Friggin' Stefan Roger over here. Huh. He's got all the top articles on the website, so we got to give him a shout-out, too. He's pumping oh, yeah. it out every week. He's goaded, man. He's he's a page-view goat. Like, he, like, he he'll, he'll, like, message me. And I, I love working with Stefan, by the way. Um, but he'll, like, message me at, like, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. He's like, hey, I just got home from work. Uh, I'll have a uh, top 16... Uh, forwards the Canucks can target I'm like whoa 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 what and he's like yeah I'll have it in by tonight I'm like are you serious so at first (laughs) when he started doing this I was like okay the quality is gonna be crap like I'm gonna have to send it back right hashtag send it back but man I look at it and it's like flawless like I'm like no syntax errors like literally nothing I need to change and it was just like man like he's a really polished writer and it's the content he comes up with is just fantastic and yeah like shout out to the whole team there like we added clarissa who's been really good uh, even josh josh elliott wolf your co-worker at sportsnet 650 you know we've we've so many great people on the team the list goes on i think we have 19 members in the slack channel right now but uh yeah i mean you can't say enough good things about our team at canucks army yeah most definitely and just looking back at some of the other things throughout the year i think talking to prospects and players has been pretty incredible uh, Jack Rathbone a couple times on the show. Aiden McDonough is obviously you know a show favorite of ours. We love talking to him every single time he comes on. Uh, Victor Parison came on the show. Uh, am I missing a bunch of names here? Probably Brogan Rafferty, of course. Colin Jonah Gadjevich. Uh, yeah, Rathbone mentioned him. Carson Folk come on the show. Niels Huglander, Zach McEwen. Like just to see like the list of people that we've put together, yeah. just that's in the Vancouver Canucks organization right now. That's pretty damn cool to see like the players that we've been able to. To, you know, sneak onto our podcast here, <laughs> whether Canucks PR likes it or not, they came on the show. So we will, you know, hopefully we're still invited to training camp. Uh, but we've been able to get a lot of these guys on the show. And I just think that it's a lot of fun to be able to, um, I guess, just like have the conversation that I would like to have with a player and then also post it on a podcast. You know, like we don't interview players to get their insights on what they really think about breaking out of a defensive zone. Like we get, we try and have conversations to like have fun with these guys and, you know, bring something to, to fans that would like to hear more than just the play on the ice. And like, I think we really did accomplish that. I just think back to like, I, I mentioned this like before to you, but like my favorite, one of my favorite handful of minutes on the show was hearing, hearing Brogan Rafferty break down the final of the bachelor with like, I don't even remember the names of the people in it, but it was the guy uh, who, and like the way that he talked about that one girl was just like, so absolutely much strength. and I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. You might be able to like, let me know about the names. Cause I, I don't, I didn't watch the show, yeah, yeah. but like the way that he talked about that one guy and like the girl who showed yeah, so much strength and her Hannah mom and all the stuff yeah. that you guys are talking about. Yeah. 
Oh, we had so much fun. And that was like, that. Was, you know what? It was funny because we talk about me getting better interviewing because, man, you go back and listen to the first interviews I did on the show. Hell, even with Corey on riding the bus, I was so lost. I was writing down questions. And even on the Zoom calls, like I was not comfortable as an interviewer uh, right up until like, I want to say like the bubble, like the summer was when I got comfortable with it. Uh, and now it's like, you know, at training camp, I was on the Zoom call, no questions prepared. Uh, and you just kind of go at it and have a conversation, right? And, you know, one time that showed, I I could tell a story about Bo Horvat. I, I have a Bo Horvat story that I'll tell after. But, yeah, like, it, it was so fun settling in and just like, oh, wait, Brogan Rafferty likes The Bachelor? All right, tag me in, Chris. And then I was just, you know, having a conversation with him about The Bachelor. And it was, yeah, I think that was where I really settled in. But, yeah, that Brogan Rafferty interview, I did have questions written down. I don't know if you recall, but I did have yeah. them written down on the big screen at BCIT. <laughs> Yeah, before you get to your Horvat, I'll just share a couple of mine, like actually dealing with players on Skype, because it, it would have been really cool for us to be able to push to be in the locker room. Like if, if everything was normal, I think that we would have had a, a serious chance from what we did at Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation in the past year to get close to having media availability to go into the locker room and be able to talk to them. But through Skype, uh, I had a couple of awesome chats, like obviously making Quinn Hughes laugh pretty hard. Uh, that one time when I brought up Ohio State's power play, um, I obviously like he knew that I knew that the the rivalry between Michigan and Ohio State was real. So being able to crack a joke and get probably the hardest I've ever seen Quinn Hughes laugh, even though it wasn't very much, uh, was a lot of fun. And then just you know also chatting with Olia Levy as well was kind of nice because it's a guy that I watched a ton of at the AHL level, um, and that was a lot of fun as well. So a couple things like that, just getting a chance to talk to those players on Skype was great. But yeah, your Horvat story. Let's hear this. So, okay, so my Botchford Project night, that's my first interaction with Bo Horvat, okay? So, you know, you you did the Botchford Project, you get special treatment, okay? So, Horvat wasn't even doing media availability, but I needed him for my story. So, he said he'd come out, he, you know, same with Pedersen, he's a great guy for the Botchford Project people. Um, so... Ben, Ben Brown, the Canucks PR guy, goes up to him and I see him like talking to him and Horvat's like nodding, whatever. And then Ben waves me over and I walk across the room. I shake Bo's hand and I, he's like, oh yeah, how's your day going? I'm like, oh, good so far. Like it's been good. And then uh, he's like, yeah, so what do you need? And I was just like, oh yeah, so I'm doing a story about uh, about Hughes. And I'm like, he doesn't care what the story's about, first of all. So then <laughs> we start talking, like I, I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta ask him a question. So I have my my little tape recorder or whatever. I, yeah, I have my tape recorder, my digital recorder order and uh i was like to uh i was like to bo i i didn't have questions prepared and i still wasn't comfortable at this point you know that so i was like yeah so like i'm just wondering if you can kind of talk about like a similarity between like uh quinn and elias and then uh you know like i can't remember what the question was exactly okay uh but he gives me an answer and i'm replaying the answer in my head i'm like fuck or sorry i just swore you're gonna have to edit that um whatever but I was like, that's not a good enough answer. Like, that's not a quote I can use in a story. So what do I do? I ask him the exact same question. Like, I ex- <laughs> I just, I like laughed. I was like, huh. And then like, I asked literally the exact same question to Bo. And he kind of like, like, I, I maybe changed like one or two words. And then he like, kind of like, you know, he, he wasn't, he like laughed or whatever. Like, like, you know, like I was just like, uh. I can't remember the context of it. I have the recording. Maybe I'll put it on a Patreon episode. It's, I'm sure it's on my computer somewhere, but I asked him the same question. And then he like, you know, he gives me a better answer this time, which was just hilarious because it's like, if we were in a regular scrum and I did that, like I was like, yeah, not good enough. Here's the same question. Try again. <laughs> like, there's no way that question's getting answered, but he gave me the quote I needed. It was perfect. Uh, so I was like, oh yeah, thanks a ton, Bo. And the, like, I literally asked him two questions and they were the same question. So that was like, God. <laughs> awful and then on zoom uh on zoom we're we're doing availability uh at training camp and at this point i'm more comfortable uh so this was the first first practice they had after he yelled at jake at that uh that scrimmage so that was the story going into it so he was in a he wasn't in a bad mood but like he knew he was going to get asked about it and as soon as he did uh, he was like, you know what? I'm just trying to keep everybody competitive. Like we're going to be going into the bubble and we've got to be ready to go. Like everybody's got to be fired up and everybody's got to be ready. And I'm just trying to keep it competitive here. Uh, and then my, as per my luck, I get called on next right after he answers that question. So <laughs> I was like, 
Bo, uh, uh, I was, I, you know, the question itself wasn't bad. I was, I was just like, uh, uh, Bo, like, how how long or how do you feel about your team uh, going in against Minnesota? Like, do you guys do you feel like you're ready right now, or do you feel like your your guys are a bit away from being ready to go? Um, but then my mic or something lagged out, and he just like looked. He looked at the camera. And then uh, he was like, sorry, I didn't quite hear that. And then I, because I didn't have it written down, I like forgot my question. So I repeated it as like almost a different question. But I think what I finally came out and said was, Bo, how long do you think it's going to be till you're ready to play the Minnesota Wild? And like, thankfully, he wasn't like Markstrom or anything. It wasn't going to be like uh, six days. We're going there in six days, you absolute dumbass. <laughs> yeah. he, he gave me a good answer, but like I could tell he was like, what did I just get asked? And I was just like, holy cow. Like, Thank God all my all my blunders in asking questions have come from uh, asking Bo questions because he's like one of the nicest guys. So I know he's not going to be too hard on me, but holy cow, I got to clean it up when I ask Bo questions from now on. I so I have a Bo Horvat story from my botcher night as well. I must have told you this before, but I might not have said it on the pod. Um, so I I was going up and I was asking questions about Jason Botcher obviously to everyone. That's what my story was about. Uh, I just got a chance to talk to Bo Horvat. Like I was like, hey Bo, do you have a couple minutes here just to to give me a quote real quick? And he's like he's like, oh yeah, sure. You're here with the Botcher project thing. I was like, yeah, yeah. So he's like, okay, right. And then right before I was about to ask my first question. Uh, the Canucks media team comes in and they're like, hey, Bo, we need you to record something real quick for us. Sorry. And they like cut me off. They're like, hey, Bo, we need you to record something about um, the dog races, which were happening on my Botchford night, right? That was the big yeah. dog races that we had. So Bo gets like probably like two and a half minutes of them of like answering really funny dog questions. And he's saying like, and then at the end, he's like, let's go, Gus. I'm cheering for you from the from the locker room or whatever he says. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, so then he's like laughing. They're all joking about how funny it was that he comes to me. I'm like, hey, uh. He's like, so, so what were your questions about, man? And I was like, um, about Jason Botchford, who passed away um, a year ago. And I was like, oh, this is such, like, a hard transition. Oh, right? my like, it was gosh. Going, and I was like, oh, man. Like, this is, like, I was just put in such a bad spot. Because I was like, my first question I'm asking Bo Horvat's coming off of a dog's. And I'm asking about a reporter who passed away last summer. I was like, oh, this is so bad. But you mentioned it. Like, Bo's the nicest guy. And he's like, oh, like, yeah, for sure. We, and, you know, gave me some great quotes. Um, about what the what the team really thought about Jason, like when he was in the locker room and their dealings with him. So yeah, Bo's really nice because yeah, we've been put in some awkward situations. I don't know if that was the same time you had the Krusty Krab background. Nope, uh, that was Pearson. <laughs> that was Pierce. Okay, not not horrible guy to have then. His but line the other thing, the last thing I wanted to mention about like dealing with Canucks media that I always thought was funny, and this is something that we haven't really talked about, but. Um, when you and I would, you know, rotate sometimes through Canucks Army, we'd get our interview questions in on the Skype calls. You know, it obviously starts with Sportsnet 650. It goes to the other Sportsnet guy, goes to another Sportsnet guy, then back to Batch, and then it goes to like the TSN guy, then it goes to the Athletic guys, uh, and then we hopefully get like one of the yeah. final two questions in, right? Uh, so the funny joke that we kept running uh, through second training camp when we'd actually get to ask questions was that Canucks PR doesn't like quads. They actually like, they like me a lot because like I would always, I would always be the last one to get to ask a question, right? Like it would always be like, all right, now Chris favor from Canucks army. Uh, you'll be our final question for the meeting. And then a lot of the time I would just get a text from you uh, with normally a bunch of swear words and be like, oh, I didn't get a question. They didn't call my name. <laughs> I was like, well, it's because they hate you quads. Like it's because Canucks PR obviously hates you. Uh, and then, yeah, I would get my chance to get the questions. In, and that's just something that, uh, that yeah, that was a fun thing with dealing with, obviously dealing with zoom calls kind of sucks but for us like any way to get our foot in the door and talk to these players was incredible so uh we loved i think every second of the zoom calls anyways uh, speak for yourself i hated it i always got skipped no i'm just kidding it was <laughs> yeah. great and by the end might i add the last one we had chris was with tyler mott and i was the right? second question on that call right? so go ahead and suck on that how about that <laughs> well definitely well yeah let's hope that we get to move up to second in line as we move into the future and maybe now um now that it's sportsnet 650 in my uh, twitter handle i might have to you know get a chance to get an earlier question in potentially you know as a rights holder i think that's only fair Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. You should, you should, you should say to them, be like, yeah, don't introduce me as Chris Favorite from Canucks Army. Introduce me as Chris Favorite from Sportsnet 650. <laughs> yeah, I'll cha- change my username to Chris Favorite 650. That'll be my uh, my new Twitter handle. For sure. <laughs> 650 well, sending um, in their producer into the arena for training camp. Hey, it's possible. It's possible. You got to get the quotes right. Love it. But, I love uh, it. Anything else you wanted to wrap up from the year quads? Otherwise, we can close it out. No, I think this was a lot of fun. I'm really excited for 2021. And next week, man, it, it's go time, man. We're going to have some 
training camp breakdown, and then midweek. I think we're going back to two shows a week, Chris. I'm feeling it. Midweek. Are we announcing that now? I think we should. Midweek, we are going to be doing an episode right from training camp. Maybe not in the arena just because masks are mandated inside the arena and maybe recording a podcast with masks on isn't the best idea. But man, maybe maybe we go in like the corridor and maybe keep our mask on and just see how the audio quality sounds with us talking with masks on and kind of what it's like there and just, you know, get some ambient noise. I'm just so excited. But yeah, we are going to be going to two episodes a week. You're going to have a training camp preview next Saturday morning waiting for you. And then midweek, I think Wednesday is when we'll record and post it. They should have a training camp session because I think training camp starts on the 3rd and then there will be a session on Wednesday. Chris and I are both hoping to be there so you can look forward to that. Yeah, so to... Just to, to make the announcement a little bit more simpler. Uh, is that a word? Simpler a word? Yep. More simple? Okay, anyways. Uh, to make next week's announcement a little bit better, 2021, we're back to two shows a week. So that's a simple way of saying it. Um, January 2nd, we'll be back to... That's a Saturday. That's next week. So we'll put out a regular episode. Um, it'll be episode 124, I believe. And then, yeah, we're back at it. Wednesday the 6th, two shows a week. So we're back to two shows in 2021. Still won't be able to record a lot together. Like, if we're going to the arena and we're both going to be in the arena, we'll definitely do as much live stuff as possible from there. And I know you have a bunch of other stuff. If we're both able to get in there, it's going to be uh, just tons of content coming out for you guys. But we'll see if we can make that happen. Otherwise, yeah, good announcement to say is 2021. We're back to two shows a week. Still not going to be recording a lot in person. Uh, still going to be doing this virtually until the numbers drop a little bit. So, uh, that's all I really have to say. Anything else you want to close out 2020 with, Quads? This is our last episode of the year. Keep wearing your mask, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing uh, to say. Let's keep wearing masks. Let's get uh, this world back to normal. Um, so for David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Faber. Happy holidays to everyone. All the best in 2021. Uh, 2020 is going to be an easier to top, so 2021 has like has an easy setup right now going into it. So let's, uh, let's hope for better things in 2021. Let's hope for a very fun Canucks season that gets off to a start on January 13th. And, uh, yeah, all the best. We appreciate everyone listening, sharing, liking, following, or anything that you do to interact with the podcast. We appreciate every single second of it, uh, and we'll bring you the best content in 2021 as well. So, as I mentioned, for David Quadrelli, my name is Chris Faber, and thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Hello, thank you for calling Thomas Drance. 